This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Miles Danhausen Jr. And today on the podcast, I am joined by Greg Dills. A lot of people who are listening to this podcast probably know him because they've, they've had to take a phone in, they've had an emergency call, they've had uh, problems with their connection. He's probably been more of a problem solver for most of you than anything else. But Greg, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, uh, Miles. I, I'm honored to be with you today, and thank you for asking me on. Yeah, and you know, I called you to, to have you on the podcast, and I wouldn't have thought of it, but Dave Elliott was like, you know, Greg's retiring. You should really talk to him. I mean, he's been doing this for a long time. And, and you know, I was like, yeah, that's a great idea, because we talk about technology a lot on this podcast, and we're always covering this in articles and stuff for The Pulse, and you've been involved with it so long in so many different ways. So for the listeners who don't know, Greg, tell us just kind of what you do and the business you've owned for 30 years. Well, yeah, I back uh, in 1990, I was operating a small electronics two-way radio business out of my home, and I was following things, and I picked up the Press Gazette one night, and it said, Cellcom will be a new cellular company initiating service in, in Green Bay and Northeast Wisconsin. And up until then, it was just Milwaukee South. And uh, I got excited about that. I thought that was interesting. So after a few months... And this and, is a time when people, when you say cellular service, everyone's like, what the heck does that mean? Exactly. <laughs> if they weren't following it in Milwaukee and, and Chicago, they didn't know what it was. There was nothing up this way. So I, I watched them and, and watched them get started down there and read the subsequent articles about how they had put a tower up and they were selling bag phones. And one day I was in Green Bay and I went to, uh, it's called Gray's Court, and it's right off the little road where you come off the bridge on the other side, the high bridge. And it's a little stone building. It's still there. And I walked up to the door one day and knocked and it, it was open and walked in and there were like five or six people sitting around the room. And that was the whole company. That was the whole Cellcom company. And I <laughs> asked who was in charge, and they pointed me to Mark Crone. And I went back, and he was jostling papers on his desk. And I dropped a card on the desk. I said, just wanted to let you know that I've got a 180-foot tower on the Sister Bay Hill if, when you're interested or if you ever are. Oh, he said, we got a lot to do down here, Greg. He said, we've, we've just got our, it'll take us months and months and months to, you know, get Green Bay uh, taken care of. But thank you. Appreciate it. And this was long before they were paying Packers head coaches to promote their products. A long time before that. That's right. So, and I went home and a few months later, not many, I got a phone call from him and he said, Greg, where is that tower in Sister Bay? I said, well, it's up by Lundquist Plumbing. He said, well, I'd like to drive up tomorrow with a guy named Jim Leno. And a lot of people will know that Jim Leno grew up in Sturgeon Bay. His brother is up in Sister Bay, Dave, and everybody knows. Oh, yeah. You know, that's his brother. And um, he, he was the engineer that built it, literally with his own hands, the whole Cellcom, you know, initial service. He was the engineer that laid it out, did a lot of the wiring himself, and, and, and worked on the sites. And uh, he said, I'd like to bring my engineer up and take a look at it. So they came up, and we stood by the tower and the, you know, shuffled our shoes around the dust. He looked at Jim, and finally he said, uh, you know, Greg, I'm going to offer you X number of dollars to put our antennas on this tower every month. Well, I just about fell over. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't wait to call my wife, but I couldn't call her from the car. I, uh, I couldn't wait. You didn't wait have a bag phone No, yet. I didn't have a bag phone you know, yet. So. You know, we've mentioned that. For the listeners who are not familiar, a bag phone is, you know, in the 80s, that was high tech. And oh, it gosh, was yeah. basically the early, you, wouldn't, you didn't even call them cell phones at that time. No. 
and it was just a phone that you plop an antenna on the top of your car, Correct. and you've got this like basically full-size phone on your console. And a lot of firemen and emergency responders kind of had that early on. I, yep. think. I remember my dad having it, and that's the only right. reason I remember him having yep. it. But I uh, finally said to these guys, I said, so, you know, would you like me to sell your bag phones up here in Door County? They both looked at me and said, do you want to? I said, well, I've got this little business. I sell two-way radios and things. He said, yeah, we'll have someone call you. So someone called me. I signed a little document, and that's how I started selling phones. And it was very good to me in the early years. It's just amazing what you could make selling five or six phones a month. <laughs> it's, it's, I'd be embarrassed to tell you. But it was uh, great. I worked out of home until finally people started showing up on Sundays and Saturday nights. And uh, I got to the point where... My wife said, you got to take this thing out of the house. And I <laughs> went downtown and Jerry Sabalis, Sister Bay, was oh, yeah. just had just taken over the old Erickson building, they called it, which was a cement one-story building. And he bought it and converted to what it is today, the Sunrise Building behind the Sister Bay Bowl. If any of the listeners know who Jerry Sabalis is, he has been a tour guide. He's been a bus driver, a shuttle bus driver in Sister Bay, kind of in, in his retirement years from business. Been, I, I think he's been a boat captain at different points or That's correct. tour guide. He's, yeah, tour guide on the boats. He still does that. He loves yeah. that. <laughs> he's a people person. He yeah, really does love that. He, yeah. he's, he's great at that. So he built this building. I was his first tenant and um, been there 27 years. That was 95. I moved from the house after five years and came downtown. And of course, now we're uh, 32 years later. Uh, er, you know. Early on, when you start this business, did you see this as a long-term thing? Did you think, no. this is something I'm going to do with for the next three decades? Very funny is that I got two stories. That First of all, people come in the store all the time and say, oh, wow, Greg, you saw the vision. Boy, you really you really knew what was happening. You, you jumped on at the right time. I said, I just told you what happened. Yeah. I, <laughs> it, it happened in a parking lot, you know, while the dust was blowing around us. I, I had no idea that it was going to ever be anything more than bag phones. I had no vision of smartphones or even portable phones or anything. The second thing is after about four years, oh, maybe three years, I came home one Christmas night and I had been down about selling and delivering phones, people giving them for Christmas, et cetera. And I said to my wife, I said, Julie, I said, you know, we've got to kind of back off a little bit on our spending. And she said, well, really? I said, yeah, we've had a, it's been three years. And I said, we sold a lot of phones and we've made a very nice, you know, income from it. But honey, I, I don't know if there's anybody left to sell a phone to in Northern Dork and they could, <laughs> could need it or use it. And then of course, you know, months later came the uh, Adaphone, you know, put your wife on the same plan. So it wasn't just contractors and attorneys and plumbers, you know, it wasn't them. It was, it was now going into the family and hmm. that's what perpetuated it. And uh, then the portable phones came and made it more you know, handy for people to have. And I mean, my gosh. The Nokia I've, line was huge for a little huge, while. Huge, that Nokia was and Motorola. Late nineties, right? That was the first right. one I remember yeah. being like, Oh, a bunch of my friends have it. Yeah, Nokia and Motorola were certainly head and head in those years and jumped ahead of each other all the time. But, you know, then we went from analog to digital, and then we went from digital to adding in uh, 4G LTE uh, data, which was faster. And, and then we uh, now we're going to 5G, and uh, it's going to be a whole nother experience. And there's other things going on right now. All the carriers in the company have converted their phones and their systems to voice over LTE or Volte. And, you know, even in what, Dork, what does that mean? Well, it just means that instead of the 3G channels on 800 megahertz, getting technical here, sorry yeah. about that. <laughs> That's all right. That we've been using since day one. 
they are now taking it off. It's not analog, but it's it's just it's voice over that channel. Now they're digitizing the voice, and the best example for a layperson would be like Skype. In other words, okay. they're going to send it over the internet. So okay. all of our conversations, and, and we've done almost all the conversions, are now over going on a like a uh, internet channel. Hmm. And that opens up a lot of things, but it releases all those frequencies that we have up on the towers with 3G. 3G will go away soon. And all those frequencies will be repurposed for more LTE, giving us more breadth. Okay. And then we're adding in on over here on this side, 5G on another band of frequencies. So we'll have incredible amounts of pass-through, I guess the word would be, coming in the, in the very near future. This year will be a big changeover. Well, you know, the way you say it in that quick summary, which I appreciate, it seems like a smooth line. But anybody who's been up here and, and had a cell phone for a long time, like the geography of Door County pre- yeah. presents all these different challenges. And early on, there weren't all these towers, and there were there were huge gaps in coverage. You had a different challenge than, say, somebody, a provider in Green Bay or a provider in Milwaukee or Chicago where you got flat terrain and you, know, you got some buildings and things like that, but you you don't have what you have here with the bluffs blocking things off. So how, how was that transition? And like, I know that early on, some of these larger companies were like, well, yeah, we're not going to invest in this rural area and put, mm-hmm. put money into towers and, and improving that. Cause we're going to put all our money into swamping the major metropolitan areas with technology and receivers and stuff. So how did that kind of, well, that, that always was a, an issue. There's no doubt about it. And of course, radio systems, which included in the early days, cellular, they all want to go to a high peak and put up a high antenna but that doesn't necessarily get down over the bluffs. Right. Now we have another conflict is that in Door County, and I think I'm speaking this right, you can't put anything up within a thousand feet of the water without a, you know, a miracle uh, yeah. happening. So when people had called me and still call me and say, oh, when are you gonna put something down on, you know, Porcupine Bay, or when are you gonna do something on Cottage Row and Fish Creek? They have to understand. Or County G down what, a third what, what, Who's going to want that tower down on, on the shoreline, literally on the shoreline in Fish Creek, like at Sunset Park? You yeah. know, it, it's not going to happen. And cell phones, even though you can see hundreds of these red lights blinking across the bay, which you couldn't see 30 years ago, it's 12, 15, 20 miles across of those. And, and your little phone can't get over there and back. It may pick up the conversation and start it, but it'll drop the call very quick. So. Mm. Even boosters don't help because when you aim a booster up over the bluff, you're just intensifying all that stuff that's coming across the bay. Mm. So Mm. it really isn't the answer. So for emergency services, didn't at one point they have to do some special things to to bounce it, like so they could get connectivity going from like across the bay and back Um, or something? Or how did they solve that problem for emergency services? Something like that, right? Emergency services was more sites, uh, more antennas. I think we're up to... I'm on that committee, but I, like, I think we've got 12 you know, public safety towers. Back in the day, that, you and your dad and I were working on things that, uh, in the 70s and 80s, there were three, north, south, hmm. and central. Uh, the other thing is that we work at, again, we'll get technical. We're on VHF, which is 150 megahertz, which bends over the earth a lot better huh. than the 800, the higher frequencies when we start getting up that spectrum. And they have a lot more power. Don't forget, uh, the, the public safety radios are 50 watts in a car or truck, 5 watts in a portable. A cell phone has tenths of a watt. And no, <laughs> no visible antenna. It's built into the phone. So you can yeah. see the, the challenges. But, you know, people understood that to the best they could. They understood that we live in a county that just you can't get to every nook and corner. Yeah. yeah. What does the future hold for that? Is there, 
I mean, part of the reason that we've been able to expand it, because early on it was like, I don't know if I want to get a cell phone. They seem to be dropping all the time. It's a hassle or whatever. And then over time we started to fill a lot of those gaps. And now, like for me, I, you know, there's a couple spots where I know there used to be one in Ephraim. I never get that Ephraim drop anymore coming sure. around down the highway. There's a couple of spots where I know I'm going to lose it. But for the most part, my, my coverage has been really good for several years now. But do you think that is something that's going to happen at some point? Is, is there a technology on the way that's going to fill yeah. some of those gaps? There are two things that are going to materialize quickly in the future. I don't want to say three months or six months, but it's coming. One is, remember I just talked about everything moving over to to a data channel, so to speak, you know, the LTE, becoming the, our voices will be going out. What that's going to help us do, and I can tell you that Cellcom is on the brink of uh, launching it, will be what's called calls over Wi-Fi, which means when you live down in Porcupine Bay or on, if you live on uh, Cottage Rose, but you've got a robust cellular connection from Charter or Door County Broadband, somebody into your home or even a satellite or whatever, you'll be able to walk in your house and in theory, it'll just go through the Wi-Fi instead of going over the signal that's weak Hmm. from down the street. Other carriers have it. Cellcom's been working for several years now to do this and you'll see the launch of that in quick time. It's not for me to tell you when or say when, but it's, it, it is coming. That'll be a thing. You talked about towers. You're right. We're, we're kind of towered out, yeah. not just us, everybody. That's not the answer anymore. The answer will be what's called small cells. And small cells, there's several of them in Sturgeon Bay that Cellcom has right now. They basically are put up on telephone poles, buildings at an intersection, big in airports, train stations, et cetera. Mm. And what they do is they have high frequencies, so they're very short range, but very good connection. Okay. So the, even places like uh, Egg Harbor, et cetera, down around the curve there, where it's always been a nemesis. You know, eventually you'll see probably a, a, cell, a small cell going in somewhere there okay. and somewhere else. Again, you have to understand that even though I'm going out the door, I, I, I don't want to represent Cellcom in this fact, you know, yeah. uh, officially. But I'm giving you the knowledge that I know that's coming uh, to yeah. all carriers too, not just Cellcom. But yeah, that's going to be what's going to fill in, in theory, all these places that you've been talking about. So yes, there are things that are coming between Wi-Fi calling and small cells in villages, et cetera. You're going to see some changes. This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwani counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org slash careers. You, you said like you didn't have this vision of, hey, this is all going to be this big business. Everyone's going to have a phone. You didn't see that early on. At what point did you realize or what technology came out or what phone came out that made you go like, oh, this is everyone's going to have a phone at some point? You know, like when did that hit you? Believe it or not, it wasn't before the digital age. It was back when phones got down to a penny meaning we could sell it for a penny and still make it back with a contract, which everybody hated, but there's a reason (laughs) for that. And then people started getting Adelines for their kids and for their workers. The contractor that had one in his pickup truck suddenly saw the the ability to put for $15 a month, give one to each of his employees. And that's when it started to really 
you know, become a household thing. And of course, the age of the children has just like everything else, it's gone down, down and down and down and down. And I can tell you sitting here today that we have sold phones to families for four and five-year-olds. <laughs> Their justification is the fact that now they're going to a oh, a summer program, and they have to be able to call us to tell us what time it's over to give a ride. It's not like they gave the kids the phone for carte blanche just to yeah. do whatever they want. So they were doing that. It is so funny because I think of, you mentioned my dad earlier and grew up in Egg Harbor. I say this all the time. Andrew always gives me crap because they're like, well, here's Miles' Egg Harbor story. But <laughs> They're good stories. When I, when I was a kid, like, I don't know, anybody born in the last 20 years probably doesn't have any concept of this, but it was taboo to call your parents at work. Or to call them, like you didn't, there was a payphone at Gibraltar that you very scarcely used That's right. to call your parents if you forgot something and you dreaded doing it. And if I called my dad at work or my mom at work, it would be, you know, like people weren't friendly about it when they answered the work phone and like the kid was calling. It was a, something you tried to do with as little as possible. Mm -hmm. And now it's just you constantly connected. And I it even took me adjusting to that because my friends will always give me crap because I don't immediately respond to text messages. And I'm like, when do you guys do your work? <laughs> but it is ubiquitous now. Yeah. And it's, it's, a, it's just kind of a fascinating change, especially yeah. in a tourist area. It has been. And, uh, you know, we've had our challenges. You know, after all these years, 30 years, there have been incredible new technology. I mean, when I see what the antennas they've taken down, they put up a year before, and the new ones they're putting up because they do something different. Or, you know, what they're now they're putting this year, the last year or so, Cellcom's put all their radios at the top of the towers. If you're a radio guy and understand to have three or 400 feet of coax going down, oh, you yeah. lose signal. I mean, just like your TV or anything else. So, wow, put the radio up at the top, then put it into uh, Ethernet and drop it down, which doesn't care how far it goes. Huh. And you get that nice clean signal down at the bottom where you put it into the system. Technologies like that, but we still have our, our growing pains. These new technologies, I just told you, they've, they've launched and we're all going to this uh, Volte. Um, there's other sides. There's some, not downsides, but they're, to the user, they're seeing some differences. Some give and take. And now we've got to do it. And I've weathered it through the change from analog to digital, which, believe me, was a very painful year or so. Oh, <laughs> people came in and told me what they thought I should do with those phones and you know, give me back my, my flip phone. And, and I said, <laughs> well, they're not going to work in another, you know, six yeah. months or so. I went through growing pains with LTE and uh, with our home. We had that 3G home broadband unit that we, you know, saved everybody from dial-up, yeah. uh, giving these things out for uh, forty nine dollars thing for a while. Forty nine dollars a month for unlimited data, or no? I guess it was twenty twenty gigs or something. But the fact was that it was all inspiring. People would tell me how they had to download a picture, go to Al's for breakfast, and come back and see if yeah. it was done yet. And now they could do it in just seconds. And they had, that was a good six seven year technology. And then yeah. LTE came along, and you know it just it fell out of favor. It is pretty amazing if you think about it on a macro scale, like the amount of investment that goes into one technology. And I think of things differently. I, I buy something, I want it to last, I fix it, I keep repairing it, I keep, you know, my pair of shoes I wear too long, that Absolutely. kind of thing. So it, it's hard for me to wrap my head around companies that can maneuver huge capital for a technology, and then three years later, ditch it and have to invest in the next new technology. And, and it totally changes. Like, you're just talking 30 years, and we're talking about several different waves in this. And I've gone through, you know, I think my family growing up, we had the same phone on the wall for 20 <laughs> years, right? Yeah, exactly. I've probably had 15 cell phones in 20 years. Good for you. 
That's good. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're like, yeah, I love it. <laughs> I do. I do. You know, I obviously it's been good to me. I'm here today because I did it for 32 years and, and I enjoyed it. I loved doing it. I loved being at the store and the people I worked with and every. But, you know, I've seen what cellular has done to our society. And I, you know, I, I'm not a great big, you know, I'm not going to rattle the, the sabers over there. You know, look what we've done and how good it is. You know, I, I watch these kids walk around and bump into walls and things. And I, <laughs> I, I was introduced at a something one night, some sort of an event and they to speak. And I started off, I said, most of you don't know me as uh, Greg Diltz. I own the, the cellular store in Sister Bay. I'm the one responsible for a lot of your kids walking into those door frames in your house. <laughs> it got a good response. But, you know, I'm, when I see young people just constantly on them, et cetera, I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah. And my grandchildren know and my kids knew when they were growing up. But I wasn't harsh about it. But I just, you know, I went, wow, you know. But look at it. It's prolific. You're not going to change course. And they do wonderful things. Well, speaking of the things they do do, I think, were you at the fireman's breakfast earlier this year? I can't remember if you were I there. was, yes. That conversation, and for those who don't know what I'm talking about, they, the fire chiefs got together with a bunch of retired members and current members of the, of the Sister Bay Liberty Grove Fire Department mm-hmm. and some other area departments because mm-hmm. they're trying to gather the history of these departments before, especially the older history, before it's lost and That's kind right. of document how local firefighting and emergency responding has evolved over the years. And it's, it's an interesting story anywhere, but I think it's particularly interesting in Door County because we're on this little island, you know, and you've got to be self-reliant. So I think there's these really cool stories about our fire departments and how they figured out how to solve problems within themselves because they don't have someone east, west, or north to rely on. So it's really homegrown and kind of bootstrapping it to piece things together. And there's this breakfast and some of the stories that were coming out of it were just amazing. And one of them was how they used to respond and do fire calls where you would get the call at Casperson's, Clyde would get the call, and then his sons would run down the street, ring the bell or, or hit a button that would shoot a siren up. And that's how people knew there was a fire. That's correct. And then they put on a chalkboard, they would write the address or sometimes not even the address. They'd just say Johnson Farm. And everyone just knew what they were talking about. So all the volunteers, which wasn't like you, an official member, it was whoever showed up, came down, drove the truck, and yeah. went to wherever that was. And you think of how long, and not every house had a, even a landline at that time. That's right. So if there was a fire, somebody might have to run down to the neighbor farm out in the country, and there weren't neighbors as close as they are now, make a phone call to Clyde, to emergency line. That's right. Then they run down the street. So you're talking... 15, 20 minutes. Oh, gosh, yes. Before anyone even gets dispatched. That's right. Let alone get there and start putting it out. So, I mean, actually responding and, and saving a life or saving a house was a really daunting task back then. So now people have cell phones everywhere. Make that call immediately. It's just amazing how different that is when I was sitting there hear, hearing these guys tell it. And it's not that, it, you know, it's, you know, the older end of my dad's generation That's has right. those stories. That's right. You know, you touched on uh, something. I have some other information that subsequent to that methodology, the next phase was when they put fire phones in all of the houses of the firemen. And they were your regular telephone. But when someone dialed 854 I forget what the old number was for Sister. 2626, I believe. 
and they would do that, it would start ringing and ring constantly. There would be no interruption. Your phone would start ringing, and all the people would jump up out of their chairs and go over. Now, the first person on wouldn't say anything. He'd just get on and listen, and there'd be clicks every time somebody picked up. And somebody would have to figure out when there were four or five clicks on there, so we made sure we had enough people to listen. And then they'd say, fire department, you know, what, what's your issue? And someone would say, oh, we've got smoke in the kitchen over at, you know, so-and-so's house. They say, okay, we're on our way. And click, 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 all these phones would go off. After, <laughs> then the, f- the first person at the station, we hit that siren on top of, the, on the top of it. After that, the first time I had one installed in my house, as soon as, oh, right after 73 when I got here, they realized I was going to be a, a continuing member, and they put one in my house. And the first call that came in on it, I picked it up, and they said, the barn is on fire at the Smith place out past the Johnson curve. And they all said, okay, we're on our way. And they hung up, but I had no, no idea where we were going. I didn't know if I should drive around for a while. So I went out to the highway at beach road in 42 and waited for sirens. And when I heard them, I just waited until they came by and I joined in behind them. I had no idea where that was going to be. So you're be. doing the same thing like we do oh, as yeah. reporters. Yeah. I'd been, I grew up in summers up here, but I'd been away for several years at college. Et so I just didn't, you know, I didn't know the familiarity like yeah. I did. So yeah, that happened to me. And then I, I talked to Lyle Lundquist one day, who was fire chief in the early 80s. And I was sitting with him at coffee one day, and I said, you know, we could have a paging system up here instead of hitting that button. He said, well, tell me about that. And I said, well, we could put an antenna up on the water tower on top of the Sister Bay Hill, the one that's still there uh, right up there by scan. And I said, we could have a, a button down at, or a microphone down at the station to talk through that and send send out pages and things. He said, yeah, let's look at that. And so he did. And Lyle got it purchased and we bought 15 pagers and we were the first firefighters outside of Sturgeon Bay Fire to have pagers. Huh. And uh, it wasn't too much longer that the county realized all the other fire departments said, we can't all do that. Let's have a central frequency mm. on all the towers and you do the paging and let's and then of course central number and then uh eight six eight three two three seven <laughs> but i couldn't possibly tell you what i had for breakfast this morning yeah and then they they did that and then they went to 911 of course yeah uh, eventually so yeah it but you're right technology just keeps you know jumping on and doing things and you know it's amazing i love my going against what i said earlier uh, about society and the demographics it's hard to be without a phone. And yeah. I'm not a big phone. This is another thing people don't know. Not many people have my phone number, not because I've given it out, but because I haven't proliferated giving, getting it out to people. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I don't talk much on my phone. I, I do a gig or so a month of, of data and uh, <laughs> it's there, but you know, I prefer to sit on my, my desk phone and talk rather than <laughs> sit on, on, a, on a phone. But uh no, it's amazing. And uh, you know, to look up things and of course the iPad and be able to sit at night and, Someone says something on TV, and you said, who is that actress? And my wife said, oh, she used to be on uh, such and such. And I immediately Googled or whatever that, and I go, oh, her name is uh, Dawn Smith. And, yeah, she played there. She also was the the daughter. (laughs) Go down the rabbit hole. But the things we can do, I mean, and the information. I'm sitting there watching. uh, My wife and I started watching this show a couple months ago called The Last Kingdom, and it's like – based in like 800 AD and it's about it's got like a historical fiction wrapped into true stories and there's yeah. there's real characters but there's this made up character who kind of weaved through all the stories but I'm sitting there watching this and then looking up well what was King Alfred like in 894 and then next thing you know you know it's the dual screen thing I'm watching the show and reading this history and there's been a pros and cons like one I'm distracted I'm not really 
all in on either one of them, which is bad. But I'm also like learning all this history stuff, which is pretty fascinating sure. to me yeah. and, and going down a rabbit hole about all these things. But uh, yeah, it's just amazing how much it has altered our lives and really so quickly because, yeah. you know, the iPhone's ubiquitous. It's only 10, 11 years old. Well, right? the, so. the iPhone is, there was BlackBerry for a while, which mm-hmm. was complicated and, and had its issues. But as you know, the executive branch of, of, of the world picked it up very yep. quickly and it was worldwide and it was it was quite something. Like government used it for a long time because it had like better security. That's right. right? And it, they actually, and I may not say this right, but they actually ran it through their own system. Hmm. So when you called, you really... The data back then and the texting and the email, the messages, the emails, all didn't go through Cellcom server. To put it lightly, it, it, it went to Cellcom and then it shot right through to Blackberries. I think it was in Canada. Their server, there, one there and one in California or something. And some people who are more knowledgeable are listening and go, well, he's not completely right. But it was something like that. So when there was an issue, you really had to talk to Blackberry and hmm. they would they would solve it for you. And then the iPhone came out. It wasn't too long ago, 10, yeah, 10, 11 years ago. Yeah. It hasn't been as long as people think. Right. Uh, 10, 11 years ago, yeah. And it it has been, you know, fantastic. Uh, wow, what a, you know, incredible device. I mean, I remember putting off that stuff because I was like, how do you actually touch the, like, the touchscreen technology? How is that actually going to work? And how is that going to survive being in your pocket? And, and obviously, I was an idiot. <laughs> you and I probably got iPhones in the same day because <laughs> <laughs> my staff used to say to me, you know, why don't you have take one of these and put it on your phone line and get rid of your, I said, I, I really don't, I'm not really, no, I don't see it. Well, I, a lot of us loved like the, the yeah. Motorola Ra- Razor yep, flip phone. That's like that right. was everywhere for a while. Yep. And it was just small enough, but exactly. cool enough. And all I want to do is talk. Yeah. I don't need it. I'm not sure what that does, but I don't need it. I was like anti-texting for a while too. Yeah, absolutely. The girlfriend of mine yep. ended that. <laughs> I've had people go back. I mean, come back in after several years and go, you know, just give me a, a flip phone. And we still have them, which is remarkable. That's great. But we had to get a new a new one that is converted to LTE. Remember I talked about that? So all the old analog ones don't work anymore. So now we have to have an LTE flip phone. We only have one that we stock or that we can find. And LG has it. It's, I'm glad we have it for the well, people that want it. Non-technology question. Sure. You mentioned before we, we jumped on and started recording that, you know, you were one of those, like, like myself and so many others who thought... Yeah, I'm never. I'm not going to end up living in Door County. Oh, yes. And so, like, what was your path? How did you end up coming back and and then being just like a, a staple of sure. Sister Bay? Sure. Boy, I'll have to, I told you I'll have to shorten this one up. Born and raised in Winnetka, Illinois, down at the Chicago's south, the north suburbs. Parents bought a uh, house on Beach Road in Sister Bay in '58. That was when I was about nine. So we started spending summers up here. Dad would go back and forth. In '65, my oldest brother's married. Peter was off at school somewhere, and my mom and dad and I moved to Connecticut for a job that Dad had. And instead of going to high school, finishing high school there, I ended up going to prep school for three years in Connecticut, and then subsequently took a English-speaking union exchange program and spent a year in England in school. When I came back, I went to the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill for four years. And then that was 73. And I packed up and I came home. And home then was Door County. My parents had moved from Connecticut to a little farmette up in Ellison Bear, Gills Rock. So I came home and I was going to spend the summer and buy a briefcase and a tie and <laughs> go out and you know, use that business knowledge that I had gained. And um, it didn't happen. I, I joined the volunteer fire department, and I worked at Youngworth's hardware store for, for uh, 
uh, Joe Youngworth, and I was enjoying life and getting to know places like Bayside and the uh, Husbies <laughs> and AC Tap and the Blue Ox. And I started learning about these. You places. know, local galleries and yes, cultural exactly, institutions. Yes, exactly, cultural. And summer came to an end, and everybody said, well, you're, you're not leaving now, are you? I said, well, yeah, i got to kind of get going. And, oh, no, I said, if you haven't spent a winter in Door County, you haven't. I said, so I went to this little cottage on my parents' You know, place where we were down on Beach Road, and I put bales of hay around it, instructed by all the locals how to do this, and you know, over your pipes, and oh my gosh, what a couple winters that was. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I stayed, and all of a sudden one day the county said, we've, Casperson's are going to go out of the ambulance business. We need to get a, a, an ambulance crew in Sister Bay, you know, and fire department, start a volunteer fire department or a rescue squad. And, all the people said, you know, we, we can't do that. We can't be leaving our businesses, you know, three times a day for two hours to run to Sturgeon Bay. We, you know, you do it. You, you did it in Sturgeon Bay just recently. You know, start one up here. Well, Baldy, Bridenhagen, the sheriff said, okay, I'll start one up here. And before you knew it, Dick Burris and I and another gentleman, Joe Mango, who now lives in Sturgeon Bay, we were the first three hired. And we were given a Red Cross book and a white smock and a new ambulance. And at the Sister Bay Fire Station, it said, Go to it. And they started paging us the night after Clyde gave up the ambulance. And that was February of 75, February hmm. 75. And we uh, went For into- For the listeners who don't understand this, Casperson's being the funeral home- Yes. Was also the ambulance service. Yes. So- Like it was in most of America. Yeah. 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 So if you got injured, you got an ominous sign because the, the hearse <laughs> was also the ambulance. Yes, exactly. So you yeah. better hope that uh, they were there for, for yeah. the best reason. It was, it was something. So we, we ran the ambulance. We went through EMT school that next uh, summer and then uh, quickly upgraded to paramedic work. And as you probably know, we became the first paramedic, rural paramedic service in the United States. And um, it's, it's been a, a long, I was a paramedic for Door County for 28 years. I retired in 2003. That's sort of a career that people, a lot of people don't know that I had. And yeah. of course it overlaid a little bit. I was trying to run a cellular business uptown and from the fire station down behind and running through the woods once in a while to talk to a customer. And these well, are all things I, I don't think the county knew. <laughs> I like that you started at, you started at Youngworth Hardware as yeah. one of your first jobs and you matriculated all the way across the street. Yes, exactly. <laughs> You've yeah. been on that corner for yeah, so long. Exactly. Roger and I talk about that often, uh, David's son. And, uh, you know, I, I worked at uh, David's and I, you know, I grew up on the North Shore and I was handy. I did a lot of do-it-yourself stuff. I like tools and electronics and things. But when I worked for David that year, I learned, I mean, working in a hardware store, everybody should have to do it, like right out of school. I learned about nuts and bolts and sizes and metrics and sizes of pipes and gas pipes and, and plumbing pipes and gauges of wire. And David would, would be, I'd take him a tool sometimes off the wall on a, on a snowy day. I'd say, <laughs> David, why, why is this angled like this? He goes, well, that's so you can tighten the pipe there. That's, that's called, a, you know. It, it's always fascinating. Channel you... lock. And he said, it's, it's, it's angled like that because you always pull it towards you. I went, oh, you know, I learned so much paint, everything from those guys. Well, um, I think I, I live like a, a mile and a half down the road from that hardware store. And I, I still go there. I'm, I'm one of those idiots who generally goes like one need at a time. So I go in, I get this. I'm like, oh, shoot, I forgot this. I'm driving back and hoping I'm getting there before they close to you know, probably screw up some handyman job in my house. Yeah. But it's such a cool thing that we still have those up here because in other communities, they've been replaced by Home Depot and Lowe's and those all have their place. But like, sure. 
just to have that little place in the corner a mile down the street and you know when when you'd be working at Husby's, you might go over there five times in one day just trying to fix a exactly. stove or something. So we're really fortunate we have that. We got Nelson's, we got Ace and Sturgeon Bay, and that's right. Um, hopefully they'll stick around for a long time. Oh yeah, yeah. Because there's nothing like it, like having a guy walk you over and just have the time to just walk you through an entire aisle of what this stuff is for. Because I've definitely been that guy. Because I usually don't know what the heck I'm looking for when I go in those places. Yeah. When I drove up this morning to here, I. Looked across at Nelson's uh, Bailey's Harbor, and, and of course it's been closed for several years. We and, miss it, <laughs> yeah, and you do. And and everybody said, "What? How is this possible? This we can't we can't exist without Nelson's right there with everything in the world." And you know you have. I mean, it's just a matter of adapting in life. And I feel the same way about the store. You know, my my girls Liz and Missy, for those that don't know yet, are moving on. Also, uh, when I talk about Cellcom coming in on the twentieth, they're coming in with the people and the, all their stuff. Hmm. So they are keeping the store there. Yes. Okay. But they just won't, they aren't going to have Liz and Missy. And I know that virtually everybody who's a customer my store doesn't really care what I'm going to do in the next few months <laughs> and years, but they are sure disappointed to lose them. Yeah. They, they are two exceptional people. They know more about cellular than, and this comes from Cellcom, from the very upper reaches of Cellcom. They know what they do and how they do it. And they're very admirable of what kind of, Cellcom employees they've become uh, you know, via me, you know, yeah. at the store. And they are disappointed that they couldn't recruit them. They tried, <laughs> but uh, Missy's going to go and work with her fiance at the tree service that they run in, okay. in, down in Valmy. And Liz has done this for 19 years. And like me, she's tired too. And yeah. uh, she's, her kids are out of the house and all taken care of and got jobs and houses. And she's ready to do something part-time, uh, some uh, bookkeeping or something, something that she doesn't have to you know, talk with people all day long. And, uh, you know, I, it's, uh, you know, no one walks into a cellular store happy and go lucky and ready to tell you how wonderful everything is. And those girls have been I just incredible. I was going to say, you're mostly dealing with problems. Absolutely. Or issues. Yeah. And yes, and you, some are cantankerous and, and are repeats. Some of them come in just once at a time. And the big thing about those two girls is that they always take care of them and they do it in a nice voice and they show them. And uh, sometimes they're grateful. Sometimes they storm out because you couldn't prove to them that it was their fault. <laughs> but, you know, that's that's just what it is, you know. Well, Greg, before you go, yes. do you want to throw your brother under the bus? You got any stories? About <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, Miles, you shouldn't do that. Uh, I could, boy, oh, boy. I, I guess he's, he's – I just read today in my, my memories that it was six years ago that he retired. And, uh, yeah, we're not going to do that today because <laughs> I, I could get in trouble real fast. But All yeah. right, you're lucky, Peter. So. Yeah, he, he's, a, he's an exceptional brother. I am extremely proud of, of what he did for this county, and I know that people still tell me they wish he was on the bench you know, because they – there's a couple of stories. I, one time I was at the AC TAP uh, after he'd been a judge for a couple of years, and some guy came over to me and had been there a little longer than I had, and he said, hey. And he patted me on the back and said, hey. I said, why? What, what's up? He said, I was in your brother's court this morning. I said, oh, boy, am I going to get, you know, decked out for something my brother did? <laughs> and I turned, I said, really? I said, well, I hope it went well. Well, it didn't. He said, I got divorced, and, you know, she got all this and everything. I said, oh, boy. And he said, I said, well, I'm sorry to hear that. He said, yeah, but you know what? I said, no, what? He said, that brother of yours is a hell of a guy. He said, you know, he explained everything to me. And he said, you know, Bob, he said, you uh, – you know, the reason I'm giving her this is because of this, and she's got the kids, and the reason she's going to get this. And he said, you know, he was right. 
and he and he made it. Uh, he made it. You know, he. Uh, I understand it now. He said, "I'm not happy," but he said, "Yeah, he was a good guy. He really took. You know, made me feel feel better coming out of there." And I heard that a lot during the years he was a, a judge, and I'm I'm proud of him for that because uh, everyone always said he was the most incredible listener, which he was. That's something he a gift he has had all his life. He listened to people. Yeah, I appreciate that, and you know, like you. We said your job is mostly dealing with issues. I mean, your your brother's job was one hundred percent dealing yeah, with issues as a circuit court judge in, in Door County. Well, Greg, thanks so much for coming down and hopping on the podcast and sharing some of these stories. It's been really fun for me just well, to kind of thank you. relive some things and learn some things. Thank you, I I appreciate it too. And uh, you know, it's another week, and I just want to say goodbye to everybody. I want to tell everyone who's ever stopped. I don't care if they bought a bag phone in ninety or they've been repeat customers or just came in last week. Thank you, because you are the people that supported us and uh, made us what we are today. And I, I'm forever grateful with that. I feel very blessed at this this life I've had. And uh, we're going to have an open house uh, next Wednesday. Nothing formal, just we're going to have... Just uh, giving away phones and stuff? Lots, yeah, lots of food, <laughs> lots of... Uh, just clean out the yeah, inventory yeah, before yeah, you sell We're going to go under the cupboards and find things <laughs> we couldn't sell back in the yeah. uh, 90s and see if we can't you know, dust them off and give them away. But uh, if you want to see Liz and Missy uh, one more time and... Uh, you know, feel free to stop by and have a cup of coffee or, or whatever, a donut or one of Liz's <laughs> exceptional chocolate chip cookies. Which I've had those. People before. know that they're always on the counter for people. And she's been a doll to, to do that for us all the years. But thank you, Miles. I appreciate being in today. Thank you, Greg. Thank you to Greg Dills for stepping into the podcast today and having a, a great conversation. I love talking to guys like that who know so much more about the county than I do and, and have so many great stories. I just really enjoyed picking his brain. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in again today. We've got a couple more podcasts that are pretty exciting in the works. So check back in. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.